0: stop shop for all things jets now here are your hosts, tim mcmaster and connor hughes listen safely can't wait
1: And we're back on the Can't Wait Podcast. It's been a little while. Connor on vacation for a little bit and then down in Mobile, Alabama. But we're back with you. Off-season Jets coverage here. Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes, our Jets reporter here at The Athletic. Give us a five-star review wherever you're listening for sure. And also, if you go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait Podcast, you can save 40% on a subscription, a one-year subscription to The Athletic. So check that out as well. You can check out all Connor's great writing along with uh, what he says on this podcast so Connor I mentioned it you were away and then you were away in Mobile Alabama for the senior bowl um and we've heard from others from the athletic family that were at the senior bowl that Mobile Alabama shockingly can can kind of be cold in January it turns out
0: uh yeah it turns out man I'll tell you what like when we were first going down there there's there's some uh lull periods when you're on that trip because practices don't start to like 12 30 so you know, you wake up early and you kind of have some time yourself and you usually get to the, the hotel where uh, where most of the executives are staying around like 10 or 11. And uh, you, you you scout out, see if you can't see a Jets exec go by or an executive that, you know, from another team, you catch up and then you catch them all later on at restaurants and bars and stuff like that. But the uh, the crazy thing was, was that one of my friends that was going for the first time was like, hey, like, how's the senior bowl work? I was like, honestly, man. If you want, bring your clubs or we'll rent clubs and we can play like an early nine before we go over to the hotel at 10 a.m., like get up at eight, play then and, and then go over to the hotel at 10. And I, and we were like had plans to do that. And two days before we left, I finally looked at the weather when I was like starting to think about what I was going to pack. And I saw 40 degrees, 50 degrees, 38 <laughs> degrees feels like 33 And I texted my buddy, I was like, dude, we ain't playing no golf, and we're down there for this one, man. Last year, it was like 70 degrees, 65, you were kind of watching practice in a polo and jeans, and this one was just brutally, brutally cold. It it was not a a welcoming experience there in terms of the weather, because you got off that plane and, and out of a rental car and were just slapped in the face with those temperatures. It felt like you were back in Jersey.
1: I think what some people don't understand about the senior bowl is kind of the different aspects of it depending on who's down there obviously for for coaches, for head coaches of NFL football teams and front offices, they're looking at players, but they're also talking to, to other assistants and people looking for work because a lot of hirings tend to go on this week. And then there are other players who are trying to impress people and, and improve their draft stock heading into to draft season. But for the reporters, it's interesting because you're not necessarily focused on the players as much as just building sources and doing kind of the grunt work of, of the reporter life, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a big networking trip. I mean, it it really is. I mean, there was the the two nights I was down there, I went out to dinner uh, with a couple of the agents that I'm close with, just to kind of rekindle that that relationship. I actually one of the agents that I'm close with brought another agent that he knows. So I got to meet him for the very first time. We were out with executives for a couple other teams on one of the nights until, you know, the wee hours in the night. And you're just meeting people, talking to people, introducing yourself, kind of starting to form relationships and then and then getting numbers that you can, you know, use to when I have a question about this or how this works or, or when you're trying to dig up a potential story or you hear a rumor and you're looking for confirmation, you can go over and, and ask those guys that you then form those relationships with. And honestly, man, it's, it's kind of like the cliche and a lot of us reporters talk about it. And it's weird, but it's honestly like you're dating. Like that's honestly what it's like when you're down there. Is that you're kind of like looking at someone, and you're like, okay, I think that's so and so with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go try to talk to him. And then you talk to him, and you talk to him, and you talk to him. And then at the end, you're like, hey, you mind if I get your number? Like you know, it's like one of those weird <laughs> dynamics. But it really is like you're dating again, and you're out at the bar looking at it for people. It's like it's a very odd, weird dynamic, but. Uh, It it was a productive trip. I mean, you come away with numbers, you come away knowing people you didn't know before, you come away furthering relationships with people that you kind of knew already or knew through texting and phone calls, but now you get to put a name or a face to the name, and you can further your relationship that way. So it's, it's definitely a very productive trip. And it's a lot more... Uh, laid back than the NFL combine because the NFL combine is like the senior bowl in terms of like the networking and sourcing of the senior Bowl. It's like that on steroids. I mean, it's absolutely insane because unlike the senior bowl, every single person that is affiliated with an NFL team is there. Virtually every single reporter that covers the NFL on a full-time basis is there. Any NFL columnist is there. Any TV person is there. So it is just like overload. And the crazy thing now is like trying to find the restaurants and the bars that our coaches are going to, because usually the coaches and executives and scouts and stuff find a bar or restaurant and they go to it. But then the media get wind that they're there. So you start to see a little bit of media show up, then a little bit more then a little bit more. And then all of a sudden like it's just the, the restaurant or bar becomes engulfed in just media and no coaches and executives. So then the coaches (laughs) and executives go somewhere else and you got to find where that next place is. So like at the NFL combine, there's this restaurant prime 47, which is like a steakhouse uh, the last, my first two years on the beat, sixteen, seventeen, when I was still at the ledger, that was the place where you would find anyone who was anyone that you needed to talk to. I mean, you could have an hour conversation with the head coach, with the offensive coordinator, with the defensive coordinator, with coaches from other teams. I mean, everyone was there somehow, some way the rest of the media caught wind of that. And now if you try to go to prime 47 after eight 30, basically after dinner, You're shoulder to shoulder and 92% of the people that are in there are media. So now you kind of got to find, okay, well, where are they now? So now it's like the Marriott and the JW bar are where you usually see a lot of people. I remember in the JW last year having like an hour-long conversation with Pat Shermer and just talking to him a lot about Sam Darnold, uh, a lot about the Jets, a lot about their offense, a lot about the draft that was coming up, a lot about how – the Saquon, Sam Darnold thing went down. I mean, a lot of the information that I've used in subsequent articles was based off of conversations I had like that with Pat, but other people as well, you know, and you obviously don't say Pat Shermer said this or Pat Shermer said that, but, you know, it's information that you kind of use on the background to, to write further stories moving forward. So, you know, that's a crazy, a lot of people think, and it's funny because a lot of people think that the sources that you build and the best sources you have are the coach of your team or the scouts of your team or stuff like that. Well, a little inside info, everyone, you know, the, the coach of the Jets, Adam Gase, doesn't want to hand out the secrets of what his team's doing. You know, the scouts <laughs> of the Jets aren't going to tell you who they're looking at because it's going to tip their hand. But the best coach, the best sources that you'll have are those for other teams that hear rumors or pick up things or hear from somebody of what the Jets are going to do. And then they're like, well, you know what? I work for the new Orleans saints. I don't give two craps what the jets are doing. So sure. I'll tell you anything you want to know about what I know about the jets, you know, so it's things like that. So those are the best sources you have in this field, not necessarily the ones that work for your team.
1: So while you were whining and dining and getting sources going, uh, Joe Douglas was experiencing his first senior bowl in charge of the jets. And obviously it's all seniors down there. So it's not all the best talent that'll be around at the draft, but from what you were able to to kind of figure out in your time there, what were the Jets up to as far as looking at players and all that stuff at the Senior Bowl? Yeah.
0: Well, I, I can tell you from from talking to people that, that are pretty well versed in what the Jets are thinking, you know, kind of just going with that, the you know, people that I've, those that's sourcing and all that. It's offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. I mean, that's the priority for the Jets this offseason, not just in the draft, but in the early rounds of the draft in free agency. I mean, Joe Douglas has his, you know, antennas up to fix this offensive line and fix it pr- quite a lot. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Jets have four new starters up front starting that 2020 season with the one holdover being Chuma Odago, who they invested a third round pick in last year, who the coaching staff and all are pretty high on and believe that he has starting long-term starting quarter uh, offensive tackle potential, likely on the right side more so than the left. But at left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, it would not surprise me in the slightest to see the Jets go out there and find four new starters. Maybe Alex Lewis comes back, but even that, I I really think the Jets are going to go out and try to find them. And you know, I actually caught up with Joe a little bit uh, at at the Senior Bowl, and we were just talking about like, you know, what are you looking for? And he said, you know, these are these practices are really important when. You're, when you get a chance to talk to these guys, you, know, you can have a little bit of time to sit down and interview them, and, and that's a pretty important thing. But he said it's also huge to evaluate the small school players because there are players out there that played at – South Carolina state and and Alabama West and like all these random small town schools that they look pretty good against that competition. But you're like, well, you know what's going to happen when they're going up against a kid from the sec or what, what about the kid, you know, in the big 10 or, or, you know, cause that's just the really the appetizer to go up against NFL talent. So the senior bowl kind of gives those guys an opportunity to show how close they are to NFL talent and give This coaching staff, these executives, an opportunity to scout them against that top-tier talent and, and see how they can perform and see how they can play and see how they stack up. And then that's where they can decide, you know what? Yeah, this kid's worth a third-round pick. That kid's worth a fourth-round pick. It's a similar situation to when I know everyone's going to roll their eyes because Mike McKagan loved his small school guys. But that was Nathan Shepard, you know, a guy from, from Fort Hayes State who really had played the lowest of low-level college ball, was, was really basically playing football in Canada, where Canada plays third fiddle to, to hockey and basketball and everything like that, and even baseball. Probably football falls below that in, in Canada. So, you know, they he was a guy that showed up at the senior bowl and looked really good and just showed that he can play against NFL top tier talent. He a hell of a story too, as well in, in terms of the, you know, he had to take a couple years off to make more money, to go back to school, to, to pay for training and all that. But, you know, he's a guy that busted his ass at the senior bowl, showed he was worthy of playing and got a third round pick for uh, convinced the Jets to use a third round pick on him. And I know that that, that draft pick was criticized and scrutinized and all that, but, you know, in, in Shepard's second year here, once he returned from that suspension, he actually looked pretty good. You know, he he made – he's never going to be an every-down starter. He's not a Pro Bowl guy. But as a rotational defensive lineman that, that Greg Williams used to move in and out there, he played pretty well last year in his second season. And now he's going into his third year where he should be even better, a third-year NFL coaching. So, you know, the Senior Bowl is big for those guys, those, those Nathan Shepard. Like guys, and and that's kind of who a lot of this coaching staff are looking at, and a lot of the coaching staff are keeping their eyes on in terms of uh, who they could potentially find from those smaller schools that suddenly starts to shine and look pretty good against this top tier talent.
1: I want to talk more about the offensive linemen and, and the top of the uh, the first round there or when when the Jets are picking in the first round and that stuff. But but first off, the stage is set. It's down to the best of the best as we crown. The football champion. Don't miss out. Get in on all the action with the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to get all of your big game bets in. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including countless prop bets and football squares. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable as a betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign up offer to date right now. You don't want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget that's code QUICK. And get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. And speaking of picks, Connor, you wrapped up our picks competition, our friendly picks competition. Uh, you two and zero in the conference championship game. I did as well to kind of fight my way almost back to five hundred. But uh, Marissa just one and one. So congratulations, Connor. I guess you were the favorite going in, being the actual NFL reporter. But you uh, <laughs> you didn't drop off.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I was happy with it, man. I was, uh, the, the plus 10 games over 500. I'll take that. You know, that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a bad day. That's a decent profit. If, if you're just betting the same money on every game and, you know, I'm excited to try this for a full year next year. Right. I mean, I think that'll be, yep. uh, that'll be pretty cool. We'll, we'll have to put something on the line, like uh dinner somewhere or something like that. And, uh, See if we can't expense it, or we we'll find a way to work that into the expense report, or something like that. We all, all three of us go out for it. You know, we'll do a live broadcast from there too. We'll do a live broadcast from the dinner that the uh, the loser has to pay for, or something like that.
1: We should also. I think we should work something in where you don't have to pick the Jets game. I feel like that hurts. I agree. This year. We'll I like agree. we will always pick the Jets game, but it doesn't have to count. Towards the competition,
0: yes. I think we could do that. I completely agree with you. Right, you know, there were a couple be, games uh, there where I was like, I don't want to bet the Jets this week, and it was like, I don't right. want them in that. I know that. A couple times, that out, now, I think it did even out at the end of the year for me, where it was like the couple of times where I was like, eh, I don't know if I really feel good that, at the Jets line, and they covered, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, I guess that counts as a win, and there were a couple of times where I was like, I don't feel good, and then they lost, and I'm like, oh, god damn it. But, uh, no, I think that, that that's a that's a good rule. We'll, we'll make an adjustment. I think this was a good like toe in the water of the, the – yeah can't wait for our picks gambling scene and I know like our graphics certainly improved I think that was that was you right that was you doing the graphics so that that definitely took a step forward slowly learning
1: yeah 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 stay tuned for the Super Bowl graphic because uh, we got team logos involved really upping it for the uh, the Super Bowl that'll come uh, later this week we'll have those picks in one last chance Um, well none of us can catch Connor but one last chance for us to improve our record uh, for the season all right, back to the Jets, and I wanted to talk about the offensive line because you think about that number 11 pick, and, and it's an interesting spot. You have a good story up on the site, I think, from a week or two ago, but it's it's still, I think, very relevant, Connor, and that is there are some really good offensive linemen, but there's also a pretty good chance that the big three, so to speak, and that is Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and, and Andrew Thomas will all be off the board at number 11, and then the Jets have an interesting Decision to make I guess and that is go a different direction or maybe reach for for an offensive lineman and actually if you look at Dane Brugler's latest uh, mock draft that's 2.0 I think first or second of many yep. that'll be coming out over the next couple of months He actually has the Jets All going of which with will generate like, he, like
0: 150 subscribers <laughs> <laughs> it's like insane how much people love mock drafts, but yeah. Right, of
1: course, uh, he has Mekki Becton, the, who's really the number four tackle. He has the Jets taking him at eleven. That kind of feels like a stretch, though. So, do do you think at this point the way they're thinking, if it shakes out that way, and it's the number four tackle versus maybe the number one receiver in CD Lamb, which way do you think they go?
0: Yeah. So from from talking to a lot of people, and and this is both uh, t- from talking talking to a lot of people that are very familiar with the Jets thinking is that they kind of have the main three guys as their top, top tier tackles is, is that's Wills Worfs, Thomas is that those guys are top three or their top three tackles and they are top 10 picks. So those are guys that, that they believe that if one of those guys falls to them, they're going to run up and hand in their draft card. The way that this stands now, look, obviously you still got to go through the combine, you still got to go through pro days. They still have to interview a lot of these guys like one on one, and that's what the combine's so valuable for—is actually sitting down and talking to these players, getting to know them, because that can affect your your ranking on them. A ton. I mean, look at this point. Last year, you had, um, uh, shoot, the his name's escaping me. The guy that the outside linebacker from Florida, Ja'Kai Polite. Uh, the, you had Jakai Polite as someone that a lot of people thought was going to be a first round pick. Well, he goes to the combine, implodes, falls to the third round. He now wasn't even on a fifty three man roster at, for a large portion of this year because the Jets cut him, and his personality flaws shine through. Those were personality flaws that you found during the interview process in the NFL Combine. So these guys are all going to have their their you know they're considered top ten picks right now. That can dramatically change to mid round, late round. I mean, teams are going to start really going into these guys with a fine tooth comb and and finding things for reasons to dock them and all that stuff. But for right now, those are the top three. You then have a guy in Beckton who is starting to elevate his stat his uh, stature in uh, Louisville's Becton, where he's kind of someone that I've now started to hear people talk about as top three. And then you have four is kind of three A. You know what I mean? Where it's like, those yeah. are the top three, no doubt. Then you kind of have Becton in that discussion as well, which is why he would be a reach at three or at 11, but not a crazy reach where a lot of people do view him or starting to view him in that top 15-ish range. But then Isaiah Wilson, Austin and those are the next two guys. And, and from what I from talking to people down there in Mobile, and this is something that I didn't know before I went down to Mobile, is I knew that there was a difference between those guys. But from what I heard is there is a legitimate drop in caliber of talent between those top three, there's a little drop to Becton, and then there's another drop to Wilson and Jackson. Now that doesn't mean that these guys aren't first round picks. They're probably still gonna go in the first round. However, they're not going to be those top eleven picks, top fifteen picks as of yet. They're more like in the twenties, just before the end of the first round. Maybe someone trades up to like nineteen or eighteen because they just want one of those guys no matter what. So they'll move up to get their guy. But there is a drop between that. So the discussion that Joe Douglas is going to have to have with his staff is that if, if those top three are gone, which is what our Dane Brugler has has uh, predicted in his latest mock draft, people that I've talked to at the Senior Bowl have predicted that there could be a run on tackles, there could be a run on quarterbacks, well, would the Jets take the fourth best, fourth best tackle in Beckton? Or would they take potentially the top wide receiver in a very deep wide receiver class in Judy or Lamb, Judy from Alabama, Lamb from Oklahoma? Would they potentially do something like that? And again, Joe Douglas is someone who was who trained underneath Ozzie Newsom, cut his teeth from Ozzie Newsome, who is the the initiator of, you know, best player available, you take best player available. That's what he believes. Now, I think unlike Mike McCagnon, he does say, yes, we're taking best player available. But it's also going to be at the best player available at a position of need. So it's not going to be the Jets taking another 34 defensive end just because the 34 defensive end has a slightly better rating for them. You know, that I believe wholeheartedly that Joe Douglas would have taken Josh Allen over Quinn and Williams if this situation was redone. That's just something that I think would have happened, that he would have said, okay, our grades are close enough between those two players. While, yes, we have a better grade on Quinn and Williams, we have Leonard Williams, we have Henry Anderson, uh, we have guys that we like that are young and up-and-coming, that, you know what, it makes more sense for us to take Josh Allen, he'll be our situated guy on the outside, at outside linebacker, fill a position in need that we don't have when Quinn and Williams would just kind of fortify and give us more depth at a position of strength. I think that looking at this, though, this is where if – Becton is the best, right? And if Werfs is gone, if Thomas is gone, if Wills does not fall, and Becton is the best possible tackle on the board, but at another position of need that the Jets need just as much if Robbie Anderson is gone, and they will know if Robbie Anderson is back or not at the time they are drafting, it's you're looking at this one, man, and you're saying, okay, well, do I want to take the fourth best tackle here, or do I want to take the top-tier receiver and give Sam Darnold his bona fide number one wideout that is going to be with him for 10 years, that is going to be with him for 12 years, that is going to be his dynamic difference-making playmaker. And that's what a lot of people believe Oklahoma's CD lamb is 127 catches or 127 catches, 2,485 yards and 25 touchdowns over the last two years. A lot of scouts are comparing him to to DeAndre Hopkins, obviously the all pro from the Texans. Alabama's got a pair of pass catchers there, and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Obviously, Judy's the guy that uh, you know really kind of came into his own and, and is considered the top-tier guy there from Alabama. 68 catches last year, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns. Probably, depending on who you talk to, some people believe that is a better player than Lamb. Some people believe that Lamb's a better player than Judy. Either way, you really can't go wrong with either of those guys. So if it's the option of the fourth-best tackle or that, I tend to believe and and from talking to a couple people that I really, really trust. Like talking to one guy who is one of my best sources and a guy that is seldom, seldom wrong, he has told me over and over again, he's been banging this drum for the last couple of weeks, that do not be surprised if the Jets take a receiver in the first round if those tackles are gone. If the tackles are there, they're gonna go with a tackle. Like that that's that's going to be the case. They're going to go with a tackle. But if those top three tackles are gone, he does not believe that they're going to reach for the fourth guy in Beckton. He believes that they will take Judy or lamb, that that's the case. And again, if these tackles are gone, that's what that means. It's not like it's going to be, Oh, they're not gone because look, Herbert, improved his draft stock here at the Senior Bowl, which means you now have Tua who's going to be going top 10. You now are going to have uh, Tua going top 10. Obviously, Chase Young's going top 10. You're having Burrow go top 10. You're having Herbert go top 10. You might have Love go top 10, depending on how much someone values him. I mean, there's enough. When you need a quarterback, you can see some crazy stuff happen with with guys that go top 10 in, in this draft. I mean, the Vikings took that kid from Florida State a couple year, uh uh christian ponder christian ponder so they, they like the, the christian ponder was a guy that some people thought late in the first round suddenly he sees his draft stock elevated so it happens all the time when it comes to quarterbacks because of how valuable that position is the guys see something they kind of like and they're like you know what i'm going up to get my guy because i don't want to miss it and you've got some teams now they're going to have to start considering life after their quarterbacks i mean aaron Rodgers didn't have a very good year this year could they start to think you know what Maybe we should start to Brett Favre, him, where you draft your guy knowing Aaron Rodgers is still going to be your quarterback for the next two or three years, but you can have the guy to learn underneath him. The Patriots without Tom, or with Tom Brady, they need to start thinking of him, so maybe they move up. So you could add that possibility where you got Love, Herbert, uh, Tua, Burrow. Those four guys are definitely going top 10. Obviously, you're going to have Young go top 10. Then if you have three tackles go top 10, you're suddenly eight picks. And you got obviously, so now you got three until the Jets go, that you're going to have either lamb judy or potentially lamb and judy both there at number 11 if those three tackles are gone so if that's the case honestly man from from talking to people down in mobile from talking to people that i know that are that are very well versed in what the jets are thinking i tend to believe that they'll go receiver in that situation now again if wills for whatever reason falls to the jets if Werfs falls to the Jets, if Thomas falls to the Jets, if one of those guys are there, Douglas is going to swim across the fountain there in Vegas to hand his draft card in because now you've got <laughs> Sam Darnold's blindside protector for the next 10 to 15 years. Remember, he worked in, 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 in uh, Baltimore where you had Ogden for how many years as, as a Hall of Fame player there on the left side? And yeah, Lewis was great. and the the Ravens had some good receivers during their time there, uh, and and you had different guys that played roles in their Super Bowl runs, but Ogden was a massive, massive piece of those very good Ravens teams in the early 2000s. They're not going to pass up an opportunity to get that player on the left side of the line, and they believe that those are the top three. They they believe that there are three players that are worthy of a top ten pick, and if one of those guys are down there, they're going to take them now it's a matter of will those three guys be there because you have a team in the Browns that are ahead of the giants that realizes that they need to protect Baker Mayfield and saw this year. What happens when you don't, you can have the elite level receivers like they had in Landry and Beckham, and it will not matter if Mayfield does not have time. you got a team in the Cardinals are going to be looking to protect Kyler Murray. You got a team in the giants are going to be looking to protect Daniel Jones. Those three teams if those three go tackle. Well, now suddenly you've got an issue with the Jets. Now, the one thing, again, that's not so bad if that were to happen is that the Jets can theoretically use that first-round pick on a wide receiver, and that does not mean that they're not going to try to get back into the first round and try to grab Austin Jackson if he's there or try to add one of these other guys that could potentially fall. I mean, Becton might fall. You know, you don't know that. Wilson could be there later in the first round where the Jets could theoretically use their second-round pick and one of their two third round picks that they got for the, uh, or because they have the extra one because of that Leonard Williams trade, package those two selections together and then trade back into the first round to go and get the guy that they want. Or they could theoretically just wait and say, you know what? We don't necessarily love a lot of those guys that are first round value. We believe that someone is going to fall to us a little bit later on. So if that's the case, you might have a, a, a situation here where the Jets re sign. Kelvin Beecham, who can still play football. He's not Jonathan Ogden, who we were just talking about. He's not one of these top-tier tackles anymore, but he's still a very serviceable left tackle that you could re-sign him to a team-friendly deal Then target someone like Josh Jones, who's actually at the senior bowl. Houston's Josh Jones looking pretty good, looking to elevate his stock into the first round again. But if he's there in the early portions of the second, the Jets could move up in the second round, move up to the tail end of the first round, grab Josh Jones. And then suddenly you have Josh Jones as your future left tackle, someone who will eventually replace Kelvin Beachum whenever he's ready. And then you can use your second round pick if you don't trade up and you just take uh, Josh Jones organically. You can take him in the second round, still have your two third round picks to grab a guard, grab a center, grab a pass rusher, grab something like that. So the Jets do have options here. And just if they go, if they do go first or a wide receiver at 11 there, it doesn't mean they're just going to ignore the offensive line. It's like, oh no, here we go again. No, that's not the case. They can trade back in the first round. They still have their two and two threes there where they can address that offensive line. But if those top three. Tackles are gone, man. It's going to be very interesting to see what Joe Douglas does. And the other option that he does have is that if he starts to see, say he has his highest grade on Wills, right, that that's the guy that that there's the top three tackles. He thinks they're all really good, but he really has a high pick on Wills. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities that Douglas says, you know what, I'll take my one and one of those threes, and I'll move up four picks. I'll move up to four picks and say, you know what, I'm going to go up and get the guy that I truly covet, the guy that I truly want. and He'll move up to get his tackle if he really has a high, high grade on one of these guys. So there's a lot of things that are open here, but the concept that the Jets are definitively 100% going offensive linemen with their first-round pick, which was kind of the preconceived notion early on here, I still tend to believe that will be the case. But if those top tackles are gone, he's not going to reach for, for the fourth or fifth best option. He'll go with uh, with the receiver who's who's just as high on his board.
1: And the way it could plan out, which is good um, from that standpoint, if they do get the offensive lineman with that number 11 pick, if one of those guys drops to them and, and whatever. As far as receivers go, this draft obviously loaded. And, and you mentioned Lamb and Judy and, and Ruggs at Alabama. But I mean, there's so many guys. T. Higgins from Clemson, Michael Pittman, who is at the Senior Bowl Pittman's from USC. The big one. Yeah, I, there's definitely he's helped yeah. his stock
0: a lot. He, at the there's definitely Bowl, a chance helped that, that they stock a lot.
1: So there's definitely a chance they could get that receiver, not not Lamb or Judy, but maybe Higgins or Pittman or one of these guys a little bit later. Maybe they move back into the first round or, or one of those guys drops right. So there's there's multiple ways, multiple scenarios where they can get a good offensive lineman and a good receiver out of this draft.
0: Yeah, and they should. I mean that that's the thing. Now, I, I know that, that uh Whiteside is like the guy that the Eagles drafted in the second round and they took him before Metcalf and stuff like that and, and growing up just outside of Philly, a lot of my fan or a lot of my friends are Eagle fans, so I know they're especially I watched the Seahawks game with a lot of them and they were losing their mind, like why do we have this guy? Uh, uh some of the Whiteside, we could've had Metcalf, blah blah blah, Douglas Stinks, that was his pick, you know, whatever. But You know, there you got to wait to see how that kid develops. I mean, it takes receivers usually a little bit of time before they come into their own. But you have seen some pretty good players at receiver drafted there in the second round. Uh, Obviously, Metcalf is one of them. But there's a slew of the last couple of years. We've seen some good players selected in that round at receiver. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is one of those guys who might slide into the second round who he's big. He's physical. He's your traditional outside wide receiver. Also has some value on special teams, which I'm sure Gase and and uh, Brant Boyer and Douglas will love having that dual value option outside. So uh, he's someone and also played 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 court or played at college with, with Darnold for a couple years there. So he's someone I could see the Jets targeting if he slides in the second round. Now, the one thing is that Pittman had a hell of a senior bowl, and he believes that he's going to run close to 4-4 in the 40-yard dash come the NFL Combine. If he's a six four guy running four four with his college tape, I mean, he caught like hundred something balls last year at USC. That guy's going to be a first round pick. That 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 the one concern that scouts have with him is his speed, and they don't believe that he can separate. If he goes out at the combine and runs a four four, well, that criticism thrown out the window, and you're going to have a guy that's drafted in the first round there. So so there's a chance he could be there in the in the second. I tend to believe that won't be the case if he runs as fast as he says he's gonna. And he said he wouldn't put a number. When we talked to him at the senior bowl, he wouldn't put a number on what he thought he was gonna run, but he said he goes, I'm gonna run faster than what scouts expect. So I said to him, I was like, Well, what do you expect scout like what do scouts expect you to run? He goes, four six or four five. So I was like, So that means you're gonna run a four four. He goes, I'm not putting a number on it. I was like, All right, well, he basically did. So I think that he's a guy that, that if he runs four four or uh anywhere four four four, four eight, four nine, anything like that in the four fours, he'll be a first round pick.
1: Yeah, and then, then maybe he's not. Maybe the Jets have to find a way to get back to get a guy like that. But it's certainly going to be interesting, and all this stuff can can change and get tweaked as guys go through all these different steps that you described. So uh, we will stay on top of it here on the Can't Wait podcast as we go. Now, always have an, an eye on the food, Connor. And uh, so we have the Senior Bowl Convention Center Food Power Rankings. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah that's a joke. <laughs> oh, that um, be, me beyond, right. Beyond Waffle House. Um, which is obviously a, a go-to stop, whether it's for oh, breakfast yes. or, okay. or late late night breakfast. Um, how about the food down there in <laughs> general? Because really you word did word put is. it out there on on Twitter. Um, Blueberry Reese's Pudding Cup. What is that?
0: I have no idea. It was like a weird little concoction. I was kind of was joking about that. You know what's funny is that uh, I had, I did actually run into Joe Douglas in the hallway, and he was with uh, Jared Winley, who uh, is the uh, head of media relations for the Jets. So I was just BSing with the two of those guys for a little bit. And uh, Joe Joe had made some comment, like, oh, like, have you have you been to any good restaurants or anything like that down here? And uh, he goes, oh, you, are you a food guy? And Jared, like, threw his head back and goes, is Connor a food guy? He goes, he has the press box power ranking. So the fact that this shit is now spreading <laughs> to, like, management. he like Joe, So Joe responded. He goes, oh, he goes, you know, what's the best press box you've been to? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. I was like, this is, like, my life's freaking work. Like, I want to I retire someday <laughs> and have, like, kids going to be like, oh, my God. You do the press box, part You start it. I'll be like, yeah, that that's when I know I can retire a happy man. And I'll go just play golf every single day. Uh, and that's what—that's when I'll be like, all right, my work here is done. But the, it's, it's starting to spread, man, between Douglas now knowing about it, the Jets media relations talking about it, the random person that ran into me that we talked about here on the podcast. And when I went out to see my uncle during Jets Raiders and the one person who ran into me in the parking lot and said, like, shook my hand, said, Oh, you know, I love, love, love your writing, been following you forever. And then before he runs away, he goes, Wait, and there's both hands, it goes, Press box power rankings. <laughs> it was like, Dude, like, oh, I was about to say the F word. I was about to be like, F, yes. Like, that's, that's it, man. Uh, but yeah, this was like some just random thing, like, uh, during the media, um, media, media day that they have where they give you, um, like, they have all the players available. They just give you food. And this was like a, a quick, like, you know, kind of cruddy jambalaya and, uh, and the whatever that pudding thing was but i'll tell you what the best food i had down there dude was at this restaurant and is every year i've gone to the senior bowl this is not my third or fourth year i've gone uh dave zangaro who covers the eagles for um uh, used to be comcast sports net in philly but now they call it um nbc sports net in philadelphia uh, i've known dave for a very long time i actually i'm three or four years younger than him, but kind of followed a very su- similar career path in terms of we both went to uh, Burlington County's hi- uh, High Schools. He went to Marlton, which is actually where my fiance went. Uh, I went to Seneca High School. Then he went to Burlington County College before transferring into Rowan. I went to BCC before transferring into Monmouth. Then we ended up connecting together because we have a lot of mutual friends that overlapped uh, at BCC when we were both working at the same radio station. So uh, we, we kind of, you know, similar career paths and we've kind of forged a friendship from that. The first Senior Bowl I was down there, I was like, Dave, like, let's meet up. Let's go to dinner. He goes, oh, I got to take you to this place. It's called Felix's. And if you've ever been to Mobile, Alabama, there's like this overpass thing. Well, this is like a massive seafood shack that is underneath the underpass. And you pull up, and I'll have to tweet out the picture because I actually just saw it on my time hop. Because the first time, on my Facebook time hop, because the first time that I went there, it's like this beat up massive shack on the water. But it just – Looks so old and raggedy that it's, like, freaking awesome. So, like, the first time I ever went there was with Dave and my old colleague, Daryl Slater. And we go to this – this uh, we go into Felix's. We sit down for dinner, and Dave goes, look, he goes, you got to try the shrimp dish. And I was like, well, what the hell is the shrimp dish? So, basically what it is, it's, like, a big pot of, like, kind of a uh, sh- uh, shrimp and kind of like a scampi-esque kind of sauce. It's, like, garlicky, oily – has some veggies with you, You get your side of like grits and collard greens and all this stuff. But the cool thing about it, and I'll have to send this picture in Slack to you guys, is that before they uh they they give you the dish is they before they put the dish in front of you they put a bib around you because they don't want to get like the oily gunk all over (laughs) you so as soon as they put a bib on you before you're eating your food i'm like hell yeah this is like my spot so i've gone back like the shrimp was delicious the sides are delicious the bread pudding's delicious so i've gone down every year and every time we go to the senior bowl now we go there so the last two years i've organized a um uh, uh, dinner for like all the athletic writers that are down there. And both times we've gone there, we've gone to, uh, to Felix's and, and we've gone to Felix's to have like the athletic dinner. And we went there last year, this year though, the dish that I had was probably the best that I've had. Now I've, th- their appetizers are always top notch. Like they have the, um, the soft shell crab claws that they get fried, which are really good. They had, um, uh crawfish tails fried which were really good we had down there we had the fried green tomatoes we also didn't just have fried stuff like the other guys that were there uh they got oysters i'm not an oyster guy because i had a very bad experience with that which we can talk about that when we get the x rating for uh this this podcast is when i'll start talking about my horrific oyster experience that for will never eat oysters again um But we got those down there. We got delicious spinach and uh, crab artichoke dip as an appetizer. Like, we did it up. Like, we did the whole nine. Appetizers were great. But my entree, the waitress was like, well, we have a special tonight. And anytime they say special, like, my ears perk up. I'm like, okay, I'm in. But we're just going to have to see what I'm in for. I don't really know yet. And so this was, like, the the thing that she read off. And as she kept going, like, I felt myself drooling. And I was like, "Uh, I don't – I was like, can you repeat that? And then she repeated it to make sure that I heard everything right. I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. 100%. So, it was a filet filet mignon steak as the base. Like, that's a filet mignon. On top of the filet mignon is a fried green tomato, a thin fried green tomato. Then there is a crab cake. Then there is a soft-shell crab, like a fried soft-shell crab. Over top is, like, this Bernays sauce glaze. And then on the side, I think I got, because I had to be healthy, I think I got, like, some kind of green beans. Like, their special green beans. And then, like, cheese grits or something like that. Dude. It was banging, man. Like it was top notch good. And I know it sounds like this is going to be like seven feet tall. I don't know how they did it. Like it was a very, like I was kind of worried. I was like, oh man, this is going to be like a cliche, like massive. No, like it was reasonable height where you could cut down and get everything that you wanted in one bite. And it was so, so freaking good. I mean, this place is, Felix's is, is top notch, man. If you're ever in Mobile, I highly recommend it. We went to some other places as well, like Winsels. Is another one Winslow's Oyster House, which is another really famous place. I took a couple agents there for dinner. It was okay. Like their gumbo was really good, but I wasn't overly impressed with like their fish dish. And again, I don't eat oysters, so I got fish. Um, I, it was fine. Dumb waiter. I went to with uh, Dan Duggan, Bo Wolf, and Aaron Rice. Uh, Bo covers the Eagles for us. Dan obviously covers the Giants, and uh, Aaron covers the Texans for us. We went out to dinner the first night, and I we went to Dumbwaiter, Waiter, which is a new restaurant that they just built in Mobile. That spot was top notch; like that spot was really, really good. I forget the the type of fish that I got. It was something different that I hadn't heard of before. Uh, it was, but it it was something that was caught locally. So as soon as they say it's caught locally, I'm like, "Come in!" And I've never had it before, so I'll try it and see if I like it. And I know it was very good. It had a really nice glaze over top of it. Uh, but but Felix's is still my favorite. It will always be my favorite. Every year I go to the Senior Bowl, I will be at Felix's and that dish there with the steak and the fried green tomato and then the crab cake, which was excellent, and then the soft shell crab on top of it was just delicious. So I know like that blueberry whatever the hell they gave us at the Senior Bowl is kind of more of a joke. The Felix's dish was that was it. Like that was that was that was the shit. Like I love that stuff, man.
1: I'm on the website right now. Everything looks amazing. At Felix's. If oh, I ever yeah. get to Mobile, oh, Alabama, chances are very low oh. that I ever get to Mobile, Alabama. But now I have a place <laughs> yeah. to, to. I'm look gonna out bring. For I'm gonna bring your
0: ass to the Senior Bowl next year. We'll, we'll, we'll have. We'll have some fun. Well, I in. hope
1: you have some plans for. I hope you have some ideas for Indy because I am gonna be at the combine. So I. Oh, never you are. Is Marissa making that trip too?
0: She are they is, sending Marissa? No. Oh. Sadly. Oh, well, actually, that's probably better for us. Leave. Leave Marissa <laughs> home. I heard that.
1: All right. Well, I think we've done enough here for the Jets for uh, for another week. Um, we'll, we'll be back with you at some point um, in the not too distant future. Not sure exactly when uh, based on what's going on and a little bit of news and that sort of thing. But um, if you want more information on what was going on down at the Senior Bowl from a purely player perspective, we mentioned Dane Brugler and Dane, along with Chris Burke and Brian Broaddus. They do the Prospects to Pros podcast here at The Athletic, and they were down there in Mobile Um, checking out all the players and i think they did three different podcasts over the course of the week so check that stuff out um, for some real great insight into the talent down there and go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast for 40 percent off one year subscription to the athletic you can follow connor on on twitter at connor underscore j underscore hughes i'm at tim m mcmaster thanks to marissa for producing as always and we will talk to you again soon